unless we're given the education from a young age, mm. how how are we to know um, that there are other ways of preventing pregnancy that are not necessarily the pill or the depot shot or the implant or the NuvaRing, anything like that, you know? And I think, you know, largely because of that lack, lack of education and almost the fear-mongering that happens with um, like health education and doctor's visits where you're kind of told, you know, you're fertile 24-7, you need to use protection or, you know, you're going to get pregnant. I think because of that, we, we really lack a lot of confidence about other, you know, non-hormonal options and we lack, um, we lack the, the knowledge to provide informed consent about what we would really like to do with our reproductive health. Welcome to the Win at Life podcast a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can break free from restrictive diets and build a body and life you love. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. Today, I'm sitting down with Jesse Brebner from Fertility Charting, where we dive deep into the menstrual cycle and how you can use the symptothermal method to avoid pregnancy. I get this question a lot. How do I avoid pregnancy if I'm not on hormonal birth control? We actually encourage women to avoid hormonal birth control, such as the pill, as it shuts down ovulation, thins the uterine wall. And this isn't great news for your metabolism because when you're not ovulating, you're not making progesterone. Now, progesterone is amazing. It's prothyroid, it balances your estrogen, and it helps you sleep. So when women come off their hormonal contraception, I always get asked, Kitty, how do we stop getting pregnant? And I just think that so many women don't fully understand the menstrual cycle and its importance in the female body. I know that I didn't for a very long time, but actually knowing how your cycle works and tracking it can help you determine how your metabolic function and health is doing. Think of the menstrual cycle like your monthly report card. And because it's not essential to your survival, it's often the first thing to show signs of stress, like under eating, overtraining and life stresses. There've been many times on my journey where my cycles actually completely stopped for periods of six months. And then the rest of the time it was painful and irregular. And I had all of these crazy PMS symptoms. So in this podcast, Jesse and I talk about how the menstrual cycle works and what a healthy cycle looks like, what not having your period truly means, why ovulation is so important, how you can track your cycle with specific apps, or you can just use a simple spreadsheet. And then how you can use the symptothermal method to avoid pregnancy. There is so many great nuggets um, in this episode and I enjoyed it so, so much. And the good news is with the right diet and lifestyle changes, you too can experience regular and pain-free periods. As always, take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-L-D. Let's spread the word and free other women from restrictive diets. Hi, Jesse. Uh, welcome back. I know this is the first time on the podcast, but obviously we got together to um, put together the great module in our Win at Life program for women because women are always asking me about Kitty, you know, what's some contraception methods if I don't want to take the pill, you know, if I don't want to have the marina in because when women come into our program, you know, we we try and encourage them to, you know, not take hormonal contraception and IUDs and HRT and, you know, to restore their metabolism and their hormonal health with real food and, uh, and lifestyle changes. But yeah, one of the, one of the questions I get all the time is, well, 
like how do I how do how do how do I not get pregnant, Kitty? I'm like, well, just don't have sex, or you could just do anal. And I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm like, the only safe way. Um, I just sort of throw that in there to lighten the lighten the mood. But, but um, you know, Jesse Jesse has an amazing program, and she helps women fall pregnant. But she's also got a program coming out, um, charting to not fall pregnant, to avoid, to avoid pregnancy. So yeah, we did an amazing module in the Win at Life program around understanding your cycle and the different signs to look for. Uh, and I think that, you know, this is just such, it's such an, well, it's not, I say interesting topic, but I think it's something that women, you know, just it's, they just don't know, know much about their own menstrual cycle. Like they don't know how it works. They don't know if they're ovulating. They don't know what signs to look for. Therefore, I think that they often have to resort to, they think, oh, like me, when I met Craig initially, before I sort of stumbled across all of this nutrition, I just took the pill. Yeah. I didn't want to get pregnant. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so common because, Mm. you know, unless we're given the education from a young age, Mm. how, how are we to know um, that there are other ways of preventing pregnancy that are not necessarily the pill or the depot shot or the implant or the NuvaRing, anything like that, you know. And I think, you know, largely because of that lack, lack of education and almost the fear-mongering that happens with, um, like, health education and mm. doctor's visits where you're kind of told, you know, you're fertile 24-7, you <laughs> need to use protection or, you know, you're going to get pregnant. I think because of that, we, we really lack a lot of confidence about other, you know, non-hormonal options and we lack, um, we lack the, the knowledge to provide informed consent about what we would really like to do um, with our reproductive health. So, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I hear from so, so many people who, you know, even people who are placed on the pill at a really young age as well um, and, it you know, it leads to, for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people, it does lead to issues coming off it. And yeah, it can definitely be, I guess I would say a bit mind blowing that moment when you realize there are other options. So that's what I try to do is be delivering that news to people that there are other options. Yeah. And it's actually, you know, like once you actually learn how to track your cycle and what to look for, it's it's pretty simple, you know, and a lot of women that come into our program, they'll come in because of the years of dieting and the crazy cardio and putting so much stress on their body, they'll have these irregular cycles, you know, high estrogen. Then when they start to make the dietary changes and they stop training, you know, seven days a week, their cycle (laughs) starts to become normal, you know. Yeah, Um, yeah. And I just so, think so common. Yeah, it's not that hard to track and you can track it just in a spreadsheet. I know there's an, a few apps. Um, Kindara is a good one, I think. And there's a few that you recommend as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So can- um, I like I usually recommend either Kindara or there's a new app called Read Your Body. It's a mm. fantastic app. It was actually crowdfunded um, by the fertility awareness community. So it's mm. super customizable. Really, it's a really fantastic app. And, you know, what I always say, Say is yeah you can you can record this information anywhere you know mm. you can record it on a paper chart you can use an app on your phone you know you can record it on a whiteboard on on your fridge or where, <laughs> wherever mm. you want to record the information but if you're using um, an app to record it it's so important to turn off the predictions because a lot mm. of apps so you know you might be using Clue or even Kandara 
um, wh whatever, you know, flow or, you know, all there's so many different apps, but most of them are, you know, pumping out little notifications to you like, hi, you're, you know, you're about to ovulate or hi, it looks like you've ovulated, you know, and it's really important if you can to turn all of those predictions off because, um, yeah, as, as humans, we, you know, we have normal variations in our cycles yeah. that mean that, you know, re relying on apps like that does actually put you at risk of an unintended, unintended pregnancy yeah. if you are relying on them for contraception. So that's my little, <laughs> my warning to anyone who's relying on an app, stop doing that as soon as possible because it is, it's really um, it not reliable. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's good for, for tracking. Yeah. Good for just general tracking. You know, if you're wanting to record your emotions throughout the different phases or just general things like just the dates that your period starts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff. Like that's totally fine. It's, it's when you get more into the side where you're actually seriously relying on charting mm. symptoms to prevent pregnancy that it's really important that you actually learn a method properly which is part of my job I teach that sort of thing to people um and yeah don't rely on just general app predictions I think too you know like and we talked about this before we did the module for the win at life program that you know you you cycle can just really tell you so much about your health or what's been happening you know I always notice if I you know, like I'm an athlete at heart, like I lift heavy weights, we have a, two businesses, it gets stressful sometimes, you know, I really need to be diligent in eating lots of food, but sometimes I don't. And I'd always know that if I pushed it too hard, it shows up mm. in my period, either it'll get shorter, um, or I'll get some cramps. It's unusual for me to get cramping, but I'll know if I've had a stressful month, I, I get cramps, and I know, okay, cool, kitty, you need to dial it back. Yeah, you know, you're putting too much stress on your body. So I think it's a really good way to know, you know, obviously everyone has a tipping point and a stress threshold and some people can tolerate more than others, but I think it's a really good way to know whether or not things are okay, you know, with yeah. your body. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, there, there's so much that goes into it. And one of the main things to take away is it's like a monthly report card, you know, when you get your period, when you get to the end of charting all these symptoms and signs and you can look back at the previous cycle and mm. it's really clear, you know, if your body is struggling with any form of stress, whether that's physical, mental, mm. emotional, um, and your cycle is one of the first systems in the body to show up um, and kind of send a message saying, you know, hey, Kitty or hey, Jesse, you're yeah. actually really stressed out right now yeah. and I'm lacking the spare energy to you know to ovulate or to have a healthy luteal phase or to have mm. a healthy bleed all that sort of thing and you know for anyone who's listening and doesn't really understand why um that might be the case like they might not understand why your menstrual cycle as a whole can be a report card the thing is is it's it's almost like the canary in the coal mine right because mm. reproduction is not essential to your yeah. individual survival right now today and right now today your body is focused on keeping you alive and if there's any spare energy left over then that's going to be dedicated to your reproductive system and your menstrual cycle because obviously passing on your genes is really nice and you know evolutionarily speaking we want to do that um but yeah it, it really it's it's a nice extra so if you don't have enough energy and you're stressed and you know, mm. you're struggling to cope then your cycle is one of the first systems that is going to show signs of dysregulation 
and mm. disharmony. And that's mm. a fantastic thing to look at if you're charting. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more, I'm sure, in depth, but there's so much that you can look at on a chart um, and it gives you clues as to whether you're able to make mm. enough hormones and whether you're able to even ovulate because, you know, ovulation, as you know, it's such an energy-intensive process of the body and it, it's really... It needs a lot of things to be right for it to happen. So definitely, um, definitely a, a monthly report card for sure. I think too, you like so many of us, and I'm so much better now than I was, but like we just run on stress hormones. Like we're just, you know, like trying to do so much and then, you know, we do all these crazy diets where we cut calories and sugar and everything and then, you know, you're training six and seven days a week and your body just can't cope. Oh, you know? yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I, I was the same when I was younger. I used to run a lot and I didn't eat many carbs because I thought carbs were terrible and I thought everyone had to run, you know, 10 kilometres a day. And, you know, I had such an unhealthy concept of what it meant to be healthy. And I would have cycles that were, you know, 50, 40, 50 days long. Mm. And, you know, I'd be over there freaking out, maybe I'm pregnant. But meanwhile, it was simply the fact that my body was in such a stress state that it was struggling to ovulate. And mm. as I'll explain further a little bit later into the podcast, but ovulation, the timing of ovulation dictates the length of your whole menstrual cycle. So definitely if you're having really, really long cycles, it's very, very likely that ovulation is being delayed. Mm. I mean, I even had periods of like six, seven months where I had no period because I was so lean. Yeah. Yep. I remember at the time, and this is so bad, but I'm pretty open thinking, oh, this is great. You know, I've got no period. It's great. Mm. Back then, you know, there's there's so much. um, There's really a lot, a lot of like toxic mindset around that. I've seen plenty of you know uh, personal trainers and fitness coaches and that sort of thing on YouTube and stuff actually telling their hundreds of thousands of followers that not getting a period for them is a good thing because they know that they're pushing their body hard and they're getting really fit and healthy. And I'm just sitting there watching and I'm like, oh, my God, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, a lot to it unpack is, there. It is crazy and I think where, you know, and I, I still and I talk openly about this, you know, um, on Instagram and, you know, that like it's really that lean look is in and, you know, like I'll be scrolling through Instagram and sometimes I'll see these fitness models and they look so lean and I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I need to be leaner. I'm like, no, kitty, no, you don't need to be leaner. You're perfectly fine how you are, you know. Like I think it's that being bombarded constantly yeah. with those images, you know. Yeah. Oh, we're constantly, constantly bombarded and, like, it, it's so, so unhealthy because, you know, yes, maybe by society's standards, the the lean look is the most coveted aesthetic, but mm-hmm. you're literally sending it. If that's not your natural state mm-hmm. and you're forcing your body into that, then you're literally sending a message to your body that you're in a period of starvation mm-hmm. and that is, that's, it's not safe to bring a baby into the world if you are in a period of starvation because obviously when you grow a baby, the baby grows using nutrients from within your own body. And mm. so if you don't have enough of those nutrients to support a pregnancy and then, you know, to support breastfeeding, which uses so much energy, mm. you know, if you don't, if your body senses that there's not enough resources to support that process, then of course it's going to, you know, begin to shut down ovulation because it's, mm. it's trying to protect you essentially. 
from, mm. you know, destroying yourself in the process. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It mm. is crazy. Well, all right, well, let, let's dive in. Let's start with, um, let's just ha- have a, an overview of, of the cycle and the different phases and what actually happens. Yeah, yeah, I love this because. Like, this is so- my jam. Yeah, <laughs> it's such <laughs> such a fascinating topic, and for so many of us, it's such it's such a new topic. Um, but I, I think we, we can start off by you know most of us are really really familiar with our period, obviously because it's it's hard to miss. It's blood exiting the vagina. It's a an event that's really really obvious, and for most of us, we kind of think that that's the main event of the menstrual cycle. But when we dial it back. Um, menstruation, which is, you know, bleeding, that's actually the result of ovulation. So menstruation, so a true period, always follows around 10 to 16 days after ovulation. So ovulation itself, while it's not really so visible from the outside, ovulation is the main event of the menstrual cycle. So when we have a look at the menstrual cycle as a whole, we've got these two events, right? We've got menstruation, and then we've got ovulation and they're just repeating over and over again in this perpetual beautiful cycle and when we you know to to kind of understand the cycle a little bit better we can divide it into two phases so there's two main phases we've got the follicular phase and the luteal phase so the follicular phase lasts from the first day of your period so the first day that we see fresh red bleeding we consider that to be cycle day 1 the first day of the menstrual cycle And then that lasts up until ovulation. So from the first day of the period until the day of ovulation, we consider that to be the follicular phase. And it's called the follicular phase because during that time, we've got lots of little follicles in our ovaries, usually around 10 of them, that start to grow larger. Um, And then one of those follicles becomes the dominant follicle. And a follicle is like a little fluid-filled sac with a little egg inside it. And it gets to the point where that follicle is around two centimeters in diameter in your ovary, and it's ready to um, to, to burst out and, and release the egg. And the other thing that's happening is while those follicles are growing, as they're getting bigger, they actually produce more and more estrogen. So this phase, the follicular phase, is the phase of our cycle where estrogen is our dominant hormone, and it's produced by those follicles in our ovaries. And the, one of the main things to understand is that this follicular phase, it's variable in length. So it's not going to be the same for me every menstrual cycle, and it's not going to be the same between lots of different women. Um, and the reason for that is because it all depends on when we ovulate. So some people might ovulate on cycle day 12. Others might ovulate on cycle day 17. Someone else might ovulate on cycle day 32. And so mm-hmm. you can see there that the length of that follicular phase is really variable. And then after ovulation, we switch over into the luteal phase. So that's the second half of the menstrual cycle. And what happens is that the egg has been released. The egg itself only has probably around um, a 12 to 24 hour lifespan before it you know, disintegrates and breaks down. And the follicle that the egg emerged from, um, it basically transforms into this temporary Um, structure this temporary gland in our ovaries um, and it's called the corpus luteum which is roughly translated to yellow body in latin because it's a yellow structure and this corpus luteum starts producing this wonderful hormone called progesterone 
And what that means is that during the luteal phase, progesterone is our dominant hormone. Now, the interesting thing about the luteal phase is that unlike the follicular phase, which is variable in length, the luteal phase is a fixed length. So the luteal phase only lasts between 10 to 16 days. And the reason for that is that the corpus luteum, that little gland, it's pumping out progesterone, but it has a fixed lifespan. And so it actually begins to break down and disintegrate, and it's only going to survive between 10 to 16 days. And as it breaks down, those progesterone levels drop, and progesterone is the hormone that was actually holding the uterine lining in place and stabilizing it. So as progesterone levels drop, we see the uterine lining destabilizing, and then we get our period. So we'll always get a true menstruation, a true period, 10 to 16 days after we've ovulated. So um, I guess a, a good point to take away from that is that not all bleeding is a true mm -hmm. period. You know, mm -hmm. if you haven't ovulated 10 to 16 days prior, then, you know, it could be lots of different types of bleeding, you know, breakthrough bleeding, withdrawal bleeding. There's lots of different types. And so you really want to know whether or not ovulation has happened. And that's where the symptothermal method comes in, mm -hmm. which is what I teach which is a method of charting ovulation and charting your menstrual cycle. I think too, you know, like a lot of women, because we get sort of different types of women that come into our program. There's ones that, like me, that really restricted, very lean, very small. So, you know, I obviously back then never charted anything. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I was probably a lot of months or even years where I just was never ovulating, you mm. know, even when I was getting a period. Um because I was just so stressed and so lean and exercising so much. Yeah, absolutely. And mm. when we get those breakthrough bleeds, you know, what happens is our body is potentially trying over and over again to ovulate. And mm. as it does that, those follicles are growing larger and they're producing mm. more estrogen and estrogen stimulates the lining of your uterus to thicken. And mm. eventually if you don't ovulate and you're not producing that progesterone to stabilize the lining, then it ends up kind of, breaking away and that's what's called an, like an estrogen breakthrough bleed because mm. the the lining can no longer um, sustain itself and it begins to to break down and that's really common when mm. you've got really long 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 cycles where ovulation is hugely delayed it's really likely to have breakthrough bleeding and mm. sometimes it can look completely like a normal period it can be the same heaviness the same length sometimes it can be a lot heavier sometimes mm. it can be a lot lighter um, there's a lot of variation around breakthrough bleeding. But, yeah, if you're not charting, mm. you're really likely to think, woohoo, I've got my period, this is fantastic. But it, it's important to be charting so that you know whether or not it's a true period or not. Mm. All right. Well, so let's now talk about the shifting in temperatures from the two yeah. phases and how you and the other, um, I guess, things that you can look for to know if you mm. are ovulating. And then yeah. you obviously have sex then if you want to get pregnant or avoid <laughs> sex. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess I'll, I'll dial it back and just do a super brief explanation of the symptothermal methods. So essentially um, with what I explained about the menstrual cycle, there is only a six to nine day biological fertile window each menstrual cycle. Um, and that takes into account the lifespan of the egg that you release, and it takes into account the lifespan of sperm um, because obviously it takes two to tango and make a baby. And, yeah, so you've got this six to nine-day biological window each menstrual cycle. And outside of that time, there is basically zero chance of pregnancy. And 
what we can do is, um, as I explained how, you know, how the cycle works, there's, you know, the follicular phase with estrogen as the dominant hormone and then the luteal phase with progesterone as the dominant hormone. Um, what we can do is we can chart what are known as fertility biomarkers, which mm. are outward signs that give us clues as to what our inner biology is doing. And that helps us to know where we are in our menstrual cycle. And the two fertility biomarkers that I teach as part of the symptothermal method are cervical mucus and basal body temperature. And I, I want to preface all of this by saying that if you want to rely on the symptothermal method for pregnancy prevention, for contraception, um, it's really important that you either work with an instructor to learn the method or you purchase a proper um, official method manual. And I've got a lot of information about that on my website um, attempting to learn it from podcasts mm. and Instagram posts and online websites is not a good idea because it is a, a quite a big topic and it does become simple and easy, but there's a big learning curve and mm. you don't want to be making a mistake during that. And time. I'll, um, I'll put the links to Jesse's website below the podcast so that anyone who wants to check it out can go to her website and have a awesome. look. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Kitty. Yeah, so I sound like a broken record. I always no, say that. No, no, but, but I mean, like, people probably think they do that, then they bloody fall pregnant and they're like, oh, fuck, you know? Like- <laughs> yeah, it, it does happen. And I think because I am, you know, I'm on Instagram, I'm on social media sites, I tend to hear a lot from people who have attempted to kind of just, you know, self-teach from, yeah, 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 wing it with like a mishmash of different sources and I hear those stories and it, it's heartbreaking because it does affect people's lives. And so I do like to give a bit of a disclaimer that, you know, it can be highly effective, but you do need to do learn the right way. Um, what a great investment, sense. really. Like, yeah. you know, it's you'll know it for the rest of your life. Exactly. And it's like a great understanding of your menstrual cycle anyway in your cycle. Yeah. I think it's a good exactly. Yeah. It's worth doing it right the first time. Mm, <laughs> mm. Put it that way. Sorry, go on. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. I always just have to dive into that disclaimer. But yeah, so we've got these two fertility biomarkers. We've got cervical mucus and we've got basal body temperature. And to start with basal body temperature, it's it's so fascinating. But essentially what happens is that progesterone has a thermogenic effect on your body, on a part of your brain called the hypothalamus, and it impacts your core body temperature. So um, what we do as part of the symptothermal method is that we take our uh, basal body temperature uh, each morning um, as soon as we wake up at the same time each day after at least one to three hours of sleep and we track that throughout the entire menstrual cycle and you'll find that um, basically your your basal body temperature temperature it's your core body temperature at rest and we usually get there around 4 30 in the morning and we have we're actually as um, as humans we've got a daily uh, circadian rhythm of our core body temperatures. So it's coolest early in the morning when we're, you know, deeply asleep or slowly starting to wake up. And then it slowly rises and gets higher throughout the day as we're out, you know, moving around, eating things, being in the sunshine, all that sort of thing. So we've got this daily cycle. But as females, as people with a menstrual cycle, we also have a monthly rhythm to our, uh, our core body temperature. And yeah, like I said, progesterone is the reason that we see this. So we actually usually sleep, usually see um, lower temperatures in the follicular phase. And then after ovulation in the luteal phase, because that's the phase where we are making progesterone, that's the phase where we actually see our temperature 
usually jump up and then stay at the sustained higher level for the duration of the luteal phase, so 10 to 16 days. And then it drops, um, it begins to drop as our progesterone levels drop. And that's, you know, it's kind of a nice way for some people to see a bit of a warning that their period might be coming. It might be on the way because they see the temperature dropping. So that's, um, you know, I guess a super basic overview of our, you know, basal body temperature and what charting can do with that. Um, but yeah, it, it provides a lot of helpful information for us because we can look at our charts and seeing a chart with those two levels of temperature is a fantastic indication that ovulation has likely happened. Um, again, when we are relying on this for contraceptive purposes, we also we need to be incorporating our cervical mucus observations to be able to officially confirm ovulation according to the rules of the method. But from a general perspective, if you're just interested in charting your basal body temperature out of general curiosity, then it can provide really useful information um, and let you know when you've likely passed ovulation and when your period is likely approaching. I think too, like a lot of women, if they didn't um, understand this method or they didn't know about the f fertility awareness method, they'd think that like the, the mucus, the cervical mucus, like I think a lot of women, like I have said to me, oh, they think that it's not normal. Yeah. You know, oh, like they think something's wrong with them or they've got an infection or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, oh, there is so much taboo around mm anything to do with the menstrual cycle, especially in the younger generation. And there's just so much misinformation and complete lack of education around it. And mm. it's a completely normal, healthy part of being a biologically female. It's a completely healthy part of the menstrual cycle. And the whole point of um, producing cervical mucus is to facilitate reproduction. And I think, you know, I, I remember it was probably maybe five years ago now, but there was literally a challenge on Instagram and it was literally a challenge for people to snap a photo of their underwear at the end of the day and it was like the clean panty challenge or something. And mm -hmm. I remember looking at that and thinking how damaging that is to young people because it's, it's actually not normal to have completely dry underwear for the entire duration of your cycle there mm -hmm. are state there are phases of your cycle where it's very very normal to see mm -hmm. a, a wide range of cervical mucus whether that's sticky or tacky or pasty or gummy whether it's looking like raw egg whites there's such a range and it's so normal so yeah i, I have to say there's a, a big taboo and, and that's mm -hmm. uh, you know i think it's so important because i've heard people say that they literally were afraid that they had a yeast infection and went to the doctor monthly when they were at university crazy mm. hey it's crazy yeah. yeah really really crazy absolutely crazy but just to give i guess a, a quick overview anyone who's listening might be thinking what on earth is cervical mucus what a, what are kitty and jesse talking about right now um, so so cervical mucus is a hydrogel so it's a gel with the the main liquid component is water and it's produced by our cervix so our cervix is the bottom third of our uterus and it's like a, a muscular tube that connects the inside of the uterus with the, the vaginal canal and lining the inside of our cervix, there's lots and lots of little pockets that kind of branch off the main tube or the main canal. And all of these little um, pockets or crypts, as we call them, are really sensitive to the hormones of our menstrual cycle. So there are different crypts that are affected by estrogen 
and there are different crypts that are affected by progesterone. And what that means is that throughout the menstrual cycle, depending on which hormone is currently dominant, we'll see different types of cervical mucus. Mm. Sorry, there's a plane going over overhead, so it's a little bit loud. <laughs> um, but yeah, so tracking those changes allows us to, um, you know, to know where we are in our menstrual cycle. And especially because the cervical mucus that we see um, at the vulva is heavily influenced by estrogen. That what that means is it gives us advanced warning that ovulation is approaching. If, you know, as soon as you see anything after your period ends, even if it's just white tacky mucus, that's a really good sign that your ovaries have they've switched on. They've likely started producing estrogen. Estrogen is telling your cervix to start producing cervical mucus. And even though um, you know there's a range of levels of fertility when it comes to cervical mucus, even sticky gummy pasty mucus is capable of harboring sperm and keeping it mm. alive. So it's mm. like cervical mucus as soon as you see it keep in mind that you know it, it is there the sole purpose of it is really to facilitate this tr the transport of sperm and as those estrogen levels get higher because if you remember those follicles are pumping out estrogen as mm -hmm. they grow larger toward ovulation as we produce more and more estrogen the water content of the cervical mucus increases so you know whereas it might it might you know usually if there's a few dry days after your period ends usually keep in mind this is a textbook kind of overview not everyone is going to have a textbook cycle um but yeah might have a few dry days after your period ends then you might have you know sticky tacky mucus and then as the water content increases you might start seeing you know some creamy mucus or some kind of milky mucus and it might start to form some peaks between your fingers if you attempt to stretch it and then as that water content increases even further you know we start to see slippery mucus we start to see clear mucus we start to see stretchy mucus and it might even look like raw egg whites or it might just be so watery that it's just kind of gushing out in watery slippery gushes mm. and the fascinating thing about that is that as that as the water content increases those gaps between each mucus molecule get larger mm. and that actually means that sperm can swim through the mucus easier and it allows them easier access to the uterus because that's obviously where they are hoping to get to. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's a super basic overview. And then because estrogen drops quite suddenly after ovulation and progesterone begins to rise, progesterone usually causes um, a dry up in cervical mucus. So you don't really see much externally after ovulation has happened. And progesterone actually causes that cervix to be plugged full of quite a dense plug of mucus to actually keep the uterus safe in case of a potential pregnancy. It's kind of guarding the, the uterus and keeping out any pathogens or bacteria that might kind of migrate up the vaginal canal. So cervical mucus is, it's an absolutely fascinating substance and it's really, it, it's always working to either um, assist the transport of sperm into the reproductive tract or to impede that transport. Mm, mm. It is. It's, it is amazing. The female body is so amazing, isn't it? Oh, just yeah. incredible. Yeah, mm, absolutely mm. incredible. Yeah, and I think hopefully, you know, if if, um, if you're listening to this, and you know, you don't want to take the pill, and you don't want to, which we don't think you should do anyway, um, you know, and you don't want to fall pregnant, you know, go and find some. Go go to Jessie's website. You know, she's actually got. You can work with her one on one, but she's actually got a course coming out. Hopefully, in the next two months around charting specifically not to fall pregnant 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I've got a, a beautiful big course on natural contraception, which I've been yeah. working on for a really long time now. Yeah. But, you know, in saying that as well, I also recognise that not everybody has financial privilege to access online yeah. courses and that sort of thing. So I also have um, basically a page on my website all about self-teaching and the limitations and the benefits and how to approach that in a safe way and how to assess whether you might be a good candidate to safely attempt to self-teach the method as well. So there's so much um, information on the website. And because, you know, I haven't launched my natural contraception course yet. Um, sorry, there's another plane going over, over here. Kristen's bloody barking in the background as well. <laughs> oh, it's re real life, real yeah. life. Um, but, yeah, because I haven't launched it, for anyone who is in a real rush and they, they've listened to this and they're, and they're thinking, all right, I'm, I want to be off the pill yesterday let's I want in how do I do this I also have um, a directory of other qualified certified fertility awareness instructors around the world the vast majority of them do work um, online via zoom skype all that sort of thing so you can go and browse that instructor directory as well to find someone to work with too so there's so many options I just want to make sure that people no one feels pigeonholed or unable to explore this because it is a really fantastic option and a fantastic method for many many people not everyone it's not right for everyone but you know I trust most people to to take a look and decide whether it's right for them mm. and I think even just like do it to understand your menstrual cycle yeah like track it anyway like we get our clients to track all the temperature and pulse and their cycles in the course as well um, yeah program but I think it just you know it, it, like you say, it really does tell you what's going on with your body and if you're too stressed and if you're training too much or you're not eating enough or, you know. Yeah, I think absolutely. We in, yeah, we live in a pretty stressful world, I think. Oh, yeah, we, we really do. And, you know, if, if, if you don't want to rely on the method for pregnancy prevention, mm. you know, like you say, you can chart for health reasons and mm. you can use that information like a scorecard each month and use it to streamline your training and your, and your nutrition mm. and all that kind of stuff. Like it, it's really a fantastic tool to, to use. Mm. Mm. Awesome. Well, that was so great um, and so informative. I, I think that uh, women will actually get a lot out of this and um, ladies, oh, well, you know, there might be some men listening to this. You don't know. I hope so. I hope yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're listening to it for their partner. I'll drop the... Um, Links to Jessie's website are below so you can go and check her out and, um, you know, check out all her courses and things. But, yeah, that was amazing. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much, uh, Jessie, and I'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks, Kitty. This was bye. a great chat. I loved it. Thanks. Bye. Bye.